How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me slash growth. That's hbs.me slash growth. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma City Thunder, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello there, everyone. We're locked in for episode 166 of Locked on Thunder, presented by the Norman Transcript. I'm your host, Fred Katz. Locked on Thunder is part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Head on to iTunes, search Locked on Thunder, subscribe to the podcast there, and leave a review once you're on that page. Find us on audioboom.com and log on to normantranscript.com. Check out my blog, Thunder Road. It's under the sports tab on the site. Find all my Thunder coverage there. I'm on every day of the week, Monday through Friday. Monday episode, Thunder Warriors tonight, and joining me... For the episode, I think for the 11th time in history, I think there's a decent chance that I've lost track of this, but I'm just going to call it for the 11th time, uh, still trailing John Hamm by one, is the man, the li- the myth, the legend, Royce. Uh, what's your middle name? Young. Alex, wait, <laughs> nobody, it's just, it's, uh, there's no good middle name. I'm not going to, nobody needs to know my middle name. Are no, you just gonna- no, 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 now I got to hear your middle name. Uh, are you just always going to leave me one short of John Hamm no matter what? Is that yeah. just like is that going to be like the big inside joke here? You're leaving yourself one short of John Hamm. Oh, is that what it is? Okay, well, like I want to do – let's do back-to-back podcasts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want this to be a two-parter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we could do that. We could do – you want You want to come on uh, – I'm sure I'm sure the whole young family would love it if you just yeah. came on came on after the game tomorrow and, and stayed super late. At the yeah, I think I might as well. And my middle name's Ketchup, by the way, if you were wondering. <laughs> Ready for Thunder Warriors? Uh, yeah. Doesn't feel like it's happening. I right? guess. It doesn't feel I know. like it's I, like a thing. Yeah, like, I mean, you wrote about that, and I think you're, you're spot on. And, like, you kind of noted uh, the vibe Sunday afternoon. Uh, granted, it's a Sunday afternoon, so that's a little, you know, Sunday afternoon practices are typically a little bit more chilled out. But compared to the scene that there was – the last time the Warriors were in town, it, it obviously is a much, much – it feels just like a, you know, a, a reasonably big game is ahead, you know, like a re- reasonably big TNT regular season basketball game in Oklahoma City. There, nothing feels all that significant uh, about the game. Now, here, here's the question though, Fred. Like if Durant was playing, do you think it would still have this vibe? Like or do you think – I mean because I kind of almost feel like in some ways it would almost be the same even if Durant was playing. I don't, I don't know that – I don't know that there would be that much hype for this game. I don't think it would be the same. I mean, it, it also wouldn't be like last time. Nothing's going to be like last time. Right. Last time was the first time back. As I've said, like after last last time they did that, what was that, February 11th? I said this on like February 11th and February 12th and probably like all throughout the ensuing week. Last time would like lose its, its – like, last time was so intense, like it would lose – Part of its intensity, if that's how it was every time, you know, part of what made that so intense was that it was exceptionally intense. And if it were the norm, it would just kind of, it would turn into monotony, you know? Yeah, you can't of, recreate it. Yeah, yeah, you can't recreate that. I mean, right. it, was the, it was the Thunder Super Bowl this year. I mean, I, that was the, no, unless they like make an incredible run to the Western Conference Finals or something, there's going to be no bigger game in Oklahoma City than that one. Right. Yeah, yeah, no, no, quite. Even if they make it to the Western Conference, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't know that there will be any any more of an intense, unless that Western Conference Finals is against the Warriors, you know. Right. Uh, but yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think you can replicate that sort of thing. But like, but this one now, especially with Durant out. Now Durant is going to be in the arena. Uh, I guess sitting on the bench, he's going to travel with the Warriors. So I mean, he's at least going to be there. But like, without him on the floor, you know, it it the the, the intensity and the anticipation and the hype, it just does not exist for this one. Right. And we're obviously speaking relatively here. Like it's still, still a big game. I mean, it's still a big important game. I mean, it's the number one team in the Western conference, you know, the number one team in the NBA. And and Uh, I do think, I do think it's going to be one of the crazier crowd environments of the year still, because I think, I think people bought these tickets probably in like September mm -hmm. and 
people bought these tickets with the intention of saying whatever the heck they were going to say to Kevin Durant. And they're going to redirect that aggressiveness at other guys on the Warriors. And I and like James Michael McAdoo. I mean, that dude's going to hear it. <laughs> James Michael McAdoo is on my uh, is on is on the CJ Miles All Stars. Is he really? Yes, he's great. CJ Miles All Stars. Because how the heck could anybody possibly know what that is? CJ Miles All Stars is uh, the best unexpected, the best like role players who are unexpectedly great interviews. And you don't realize it till you get the rare chance to interview them and then realize they're great. Like Anthony Morrow mm-hmm. is absolutely a CJ Miles All-Star. Yeah. hundred percent. Today, You know who I would put on that list? But like he's – I don't do, – do, do they still have to be in the NBA to be included at, uh, on the team? Like do they have to be a present NBA player? Nah, sure, sure. Nah, so nah. I've always said like I always wished that Daniel Orton – I think I've told you this before. I always wished that Daniel Orton would have been better. Because the dude is like a fascinating, great, well-spoken interview. Like the guy was just tremendous to be around and like have conversations with. But you just never had a reason to, to interview him. Because I mean like you know, if he wasn't in the D-League, I mean he wasn't playing. So Yeah. No, that's – that he 100% he 100% counts. He could be playing. Shouts out Daniel Orton. Congratulations on your nod. Looks like looks like Russell Westbrook. Looks like uh, as somebody once said, I, I wish I could give credit, but it looks like uh, uh, what, what is it when Mario eats the mushroom? It looks like Russell Westbrook ate the mushroom, you know, and like you know turned into the big Mario. That guy did a terrible job with that analogy. <laughs> when does Mario become a, a big Mario? You know, like Mario, like you know, he like eats the mushroom or whatever, you know, and goes do 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 do. You know, talking you know, about Mario sixty four? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Like, I don't remember him becoming big Mario. I think that was Super Mario 2 or something. Oh, maybe. Is that like Super Nintendo? Maybe. <laughs> I've never I've never done I, – I don't think I've ever played Super Nintendo. Or, or maybe – I think Mario jumps on the mushroom. Maybe not eats the mushroom. I think he jumps on it. Yeah, I don't think I've ever played Super Nintendo. I've only done uh, – I've only done like Super Mario 64 on N64. So, have you ever played a regular Nintendo? Like first Nintendo? No, I've never played oh, the original Nintendo. Oh, my gosh, Fred. Never done it. Whoa. So you've never sat there and blown in a cartridge for like 30 minutes and then tried to delicately place it into your regular Nintendo and like scrape it up against the edge because – No, I absolutely uh, have because N64 was the same process. N64, you had to blow into the cartridge and – Yeah. I still – I mean I I own an N64. My my brother and I had like – like when I was – when I was, you know, in college and Mm -hmm. it may have even started when I was in high school. We we had a my brother's three years younger and we we had a, like an all time competition of Mario Kart on N sixty four in which we had like spreadsheets and we broke down <laughs> we did a, we did best of twenty one series and we had like we had Excel spreadsheets where we broke down how we did on each individual course so like I was great on Koopa Troopa but he would <laughs> kill me on Rainbow Road like it was it it got super intense there was a lot. There was like like people thought like Durant versus Westbrook in OKC round one was intense. You should have seen the trash talk going on here. Well, what about the second matchup? <laughs> yeah, I, I assume it carried less into. Was your brother like hurt and he didn't play in that? And it was yeah. <laughs> no, every time, every time it was it just it, it it was the one time where if you repli- you can replicate the intensity and it didn't <laughs> it didn't lose any of its meaningness from that. Uh, I can't believe you never played a regular Nintendo. That's amazing. I mean, yeah, I, I would actually love to. I honestly never really thought to do it. Contra, Paperboy, Excite Bike. Man, that, that was my jam. I, I was all over those games. That would be fun. Yeah. Would be fun. They, they sell them now, apparently. I, th- I think they like they started selling them again. Yeah, they're Maybe. like vintage vintage game shops that you can find. Yeah. You can get them there. Aren't we supposed to be talking about basketball? Who? What's that? <laughs> <laughs> this is such a we, – we're already completely off topic. <laughs> You think you think the thunder? Think tell, the thunder? That, that shows you the hype. The, the, yeah, the, yeah, exactly. The There's no hype. Exactly. I think I had you on before they played last time, and we like talked for like an hour about Thunder Warriors, about Durant's return, and like nothing, nothing. I I even asked uh, like like there's okay, so like thunder, big Thunder games is like there's the Royce Young factor, <laughs> you know. So so Royce Young is going to release a, a big a big piece. Probably a day, maybe two days before the game. Right. Uh, the big piece didn't come, Rice. It's there's got one coming tomorrow, but it's not big. It's, it's only, not. It's not. It's, it's not like the a big piece. No, it's gonna be like an eight hundred worker. It's just gonna be like you know your standard setup piece. It's not gonna be anything. It's not gonna be anything uh, significant. 
Right. So Billy Donovan's not going to be there. Refreshing. <laughs> Refreshing his Twitter feed. Which is a shame. I mean, I, to find out that Billy is not doing that was really demoralizing. But How do you feel about the fact that I asked Billy if he reads your stuff? <laughs> Felt great about it. I was just disappointed with Billy's answer. <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's, I, assume, I assume that Billy is – I assume Billy is, is going to listen to this exact podcast. I mean, basically anything that I'm doing, I, I assume that Billy is doing it. He just doesn't want to admit it. You know, he just doesn't want to say so. And I get that. I, I I get that Billy doesn't want to give me the uh, the the satisfaction of knowing that he's enjoying the the thoughts and the process of of one Royce Young. I understand. I feel fully confident that no one on the Thunder listens to this thing. <laughs> I, I feel, don't know. I feel fully confident that no one on the Thunder reads anything I write either. I don't know who who listens to this. I have no idea who could possibly listen to this, and I am so so confident that nobody nobody on the Thunder listens to this thing. So, you think, uh, so do you think okay. Matt Tumbleson does? Uh, let's find out. Let's say something egregious that would that, – you know, <laughs> Something <laughs> crazy that Tumbleson's going to get pissed about. Yeah. You know let's, I firmly believe that James Harden is the MVP. I just firmly believe it. I just believe <laughs> it in my heart of hearts. <laughs> I don't vote Russell Westbrook fifth or sixth. If, you know, no, I, no, no. If you want to upset Tumbleson, just – so let's let's have a conversation about how 100% of Westbrook's rebounds are uncontested. <laughs> yeah. That'll do it. Yeah, that'll do it. That'll we'll find, do. Yeah, that if we'll see if Matt actually listens. That would be uh, that would be interesting. <laughs> you think they're going to get the where where do you think they're going to end up? They're so so as of the time we're recording this around 9 o'clock on Sunday night. Let me let me just call up the standing so I don't I don't misspeak, but Thunder I'm, are forty and twenty nine. Clippers are forty one and twenty nine. There we go. That's forty. Uh, I think the Jazz are forty three and twenty seven. Wow! I, I don't just, even need standings. Royce, I, I, guess, you, I guess your middle name is. I guess your middle name is Standings. Yeah, Royce. Royce Standings Young. It's a terrible uh, name. Uh, so and there. Let's call me somehow, Standings the Man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> somehow, somehow the the Thunder are still only up half a game on the Grizzlies because the, the Grizzlies and Thunder. Basically, I would just put on this earth to mirror each other this right, year. Right, exactly. Um, <laughs> you know, the Grizzlies lose five in a row, Thunder lose four in a row, and now the Thunder win five in a row, Grizzlies win four in a row. It's like they're just they're just copying everything the other one does at this point. Um, Thunder, though, tied in the loss column with the Clippers, like you said, two back of Utah, one up on the loss column, half a game ahead of Memphis. You had to put your money on something. Where are you putting it? I'm going to say six. I, I just don't – you know, to me, I, we talked about this a little bit the other night at the arena – like you know, the Jazz losing uh, Saturday night, I think that that was a little bit shocking because it was a game that they, you know, most people would have expected the Jazz to win, um, and so I think the door is open for that four seed. Uh, but I, honestly, I don't think it's out of the question that the Clippers move into the four, and and that the Jazz move back to fifth. I, I see the Thunder finishing six. Just you know, they have thirteen games left. I don't know. I, I think that it, it's hard for me to go. We kind of went through the schedule and looked at it. You know, I see. Is it thirteen games left or is it fourteen games left? I think it's thirteen. 13. It's 13, thirteen. Yeah. I, I think that I think we kind of came up with seven seven wins out of that. Maybe eight. That seems reasonable that the Thunder would come up with. Now, like you know, tomorrow's game against the Warriors is kind of a good example of maybe what direction is this going to go. And that's something we talked about. That you know, if the Thunder can beat the Warriors even without Durant, I mean, that would be a six straight win. They would have true momentum. They most likely then beat the Sixers right after it. That'd be seven straight wins, and they would have you know clearly been building into something better and maybe actually playing their best basketball in this last month as they kind of transition and get everybody healthy and the new pieces on the team and everything's kind of coming together, then maybe they could actually make a push and win 48, 49, 50 games or something like that and, and truly make a push for the four seed. I'm, I'm, a, I'm skeptical that's going to happen because I've seen too much Thunder basketball this year to really truly believe that they're going to consistently – uh, produce on a night in and night out basis, especially on the road. I mean, something you've talked a lot about, Fred, that, you know, the, the Thunder's role players notoriously don't travel that well. Um, and so I, 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 to me, it's just reasonable to say sixth. Uh, I think the Clippers are going to get their act together. I think that they're going to finish the season better. Uh, I truly believe Chris Paul is just too good to let the Clippers just slide and stumble their way into the postseason. Um, and the Jazz are a really good team. And, you know, as they kind of get healthy, they've dealt with some injuries themselves. Uh, I just – I think it will be a tight race, and I think it will go probably maybe into the last week of the season where it's kind of up for grabs. 
but I just I just think I don't trust the Thunder enough for them to go into Denver and win, for them to go into Minneapolis and get a win. And those are the games that the Thunder are going to have to get if they truly want to challenge for that four seed. You've got to go beat the Suns on the road. You got to go beat the the Grizzlies or the Timberwolves on the road. The Grizzlies they play them on the road too. But you got to go beat those teams. And I'm just I'm just not confident the Thunder are going to do that on a consistent basis to finish the season. Here's the problem. The Thunder, the Thunder have a pretty nice schedule the rest of the way. So you want to just want to just go through it quickly? Let's go through it. Let's get right, let's get so, into it here. So Golden State, we won't even predict anything, but like Gold, Golden State, and then a home for Philly, three game road trip at Houston. That's obviously incredibly tough, but at mm-hmm. Dallas, at Orlando, are both winnable. Uh, they got Friday, March thirty first against San Antonio. Uh, that's at home and. Isn't that second night of back-to-back for San Antonio? I think it is. I think it is. So, I mean, there's a good chance the Spurs rest everybody there. Yeah, that's totally possible. Then they got home for Charlotte, winnable game, home for Milwaukee, who's playing good basketball lately, but, you know, inconsistent team and still a 500 team on the year. I mean, that's home against them is certainly a winnable game. Right. Four-game road trip, but Memphis, Phoenix, Denver, Minnesota, three of those four are on the road or against teams, uh, you know, all of them on the road. Three of those four against teams currently under 500. So that's, you know... They could win, at least split that, uh, and and then home for Denver in a game that could mean everything. And you have to imagine they're going to win that if it means everything. Although it could mean everything for Denver too, and right. maybe, maybe they have to win to get the eight seed, uh, or it could just mean nothing and they could just rest everybody. Um, so, but like those games in there though, like that's the point is, like we've seen enough of this Thunder team where you might be able to sit there and say, yeah, they should go to Orlando and win. But they also, I feel like, could go to Orlando and lose just because I think that that's that's just kinda- well, those are the two options. <laughs> that is, that's man. that's uh that's really that's, there's not a third thing that could you know happen. i i like your voice i expect your i i respect your potentially but that was horrible analysis you know but see my <laughs> point is could win the game or they could lose the game and that's the point that i'm trying to get at here is one of those two things are gonna happen uh, yeah, well you know what that's they, they they've that that four game losing streak to teams all sub 500 was was weird and it was terrible basketball and and they were playing real badly and they've won five in a row since that. Uh, but you know what? Like this is kind of what like merely good teams do, right? Exactly. Like, teams that are that are just good and not great, and they're good and they're five seeds or they're six seeds or, or whatever the heck they end up being. Like these sorts of teams, uh, they for the most part beat the teams they're supposed to beat, but sometimes they lose to teams that are worse than them because it's really hard for a team to consistently you know, beat up every team that is better than. It's just the NBA is really hard, and it's a really yeah. long season. And like they still are, what, 25 and 13 or 24 and 13 or something like that mm-hmm. against teams under 500. Like they still have a good record against teams under 500. If it weren't for that four-game losing streak, you cut that out. It's They're, they're really good against yeah. teams under 500. I, it was just – that was also, to me, a case of like – them being worse, they're more bad on the road than they are good against teams that are bad. Here's the thing: I'm looking at their like recent road schedule, and and I'm I'm actually kind of just thinking of this now. I wonder if we've overstated a little bit on uh, like the Thunder quote unquote being bad on the road. And and here's what I mean. Here's what I mean. So like if you look at the road schedule, like back in December, they picked up you know a nice road win uh, in Boston, right on the heel after they beat the Pelicans on the road, and then they beat the Heat on the road, and then they lost to. It to Memphis, but like you go through this, they lost some games on the road in January. But you know, so they infamously didn't win a road game since January 25th, leading into that Nets game. But here's some of those road games they lost: at Cleveland, at San Antonio, at Indiana, which was a three-point loss, at Washington, uh, and then and then they lost that that and they played that terrible stretch where it was at Portland, at Phoenix, at Dallas. So like, you know, that it, it's they. They didn't play a lot of road games in that stretch, first of all, when they lost seven in a row. But they were against a lot of good teams, too. So, I mean, like, uh, I don't know that you can completely blame them and just, you know, say matter-of-factly, like, that they're a horrible road team. Um, I think that in in some of the cases, they just they played really poorly in those games. Like, at Washington, they got completely blitzed. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know that maybe maybe my, my own – Confidence in them has, has been rattled by that four-game losing streak, but um, I, I don't know if the road losses are quite as bad as maybe even I thought that they were for that basically month and a half. I think that's a fair point. Here's 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 my counterpoint though. Um, they have the largest now. I, I won't even. They're fourteen and twenty on the road. Uh, that's obviously not good, 
It's not, it's not, you know, backbreaking, obviously, because they're great at home. They're one of the best home teams in the league. They're 26 and nine at home. Right. Uh, but that disparity, the difference between their home record and their road record, they're 11 and a half games better um, at, at home than they are on the road. Largest disparity of any team in the NBA. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's stunning and it's striking. And it, the thing is to me is, is, and I'm curious to see again how they play against the Warriors because that Toronto game, even with the Raptors being without Kyle Lowry, and they've they've had their trouble in the recent weeks. You know, they but they're they're still obviously a good team, and they're a good team on their home floor. And the but it was the manner in which the Thunder went in there and just beat them up. Um, I, the, Ra- the Raptors game. Yeah, the Raptors. Game. Oh yeah, they played great. And so, like to me, like that, like that kind of made me like raise an eyebrow and say like, well, maybe the Thunder are turning a little bit of a corner here and maybe they do have it together in a sense uh, that, you know, that coming off that four game losing streak, maybe they are kind of pushing ahead into a better brand of basketball where they could finish the season playing extremely well. Um, but again, you know, as Billy Donovan even kind of talked about this afternoon, like it is fleeting and, you know, one minute and within an 82 game schedule, one minute you think you're playing really good and everything's going well. And people are talking about, wow, the Thunder might win 50 games and get the four seed. And then, you know, you lose to the, you know, you lose, lose three out of four, you lose to the Warriors, uh, Rockets and Mavericks in the, in this next week and a half. And all of a sudden people are going to start feeling a lot differently about you. So it can ebb and flow really, really severely within an NBA season. Yep. No, there's no question about that, and that's the that's the beauty of the length of the NBA season. And he, here's, I think they're going to get to six seed too. Despite, I, I think they're going to win a lot of games down the stretch. How many? So okay, just tell me then. Thir- out of these thirteen, what do you think they're going to win? How many of them? I think they could win eight of them. That's kind of where I got them at. Maybe. I think. I think the thing is, it's really hard because like the end of season, there's so much variance in like what kind of team you're going to get. Like, are you going to get a resting Spurs team? And is that final game of the year against Denver going to matter? Right. Um, you know, let's just assume. Let's let's assume everything is is normal. I mean, like, I mean, normal is, for the Spurs is resting. <laughs> okay. So, okay. So resting. No, yeah. no. I mean, I'm joking. Uh, if we'll assume everything, okay. Let's go through it. Uh, if everything is normal, I'll say Golden State loss. Right. Yeah, I think they'll lose. I I do think that they. I mean, they could win. <laughs> they could lose or they could win. One of those two yeah. things. Uh, no, but seriously though, I could see the Thunder winning uh, tomorrow. I can, but I'm, I can I'm see them. I can I'm see them winning with the way Golden State's been playing. But they're they're kind of starting to turn it around, and I think that's that's obviously a tough game. So we'll we'll go Golden State loss. Uh, so we'll say Philly one win. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Rockets loss. Um, Dallas, I'll say a win. Orlando, I'll say a win. Uh, so that's three right there. San Antonio, we'll call it a loss. We'll Charlotte. assume the Spurs play everybody, yeah. Yeah, Charlotte. Charlotte, I'll call it a win, so that's four. Milwaukee, I'll call it a win, so that's five. Uh, I think they'll win two out of out of the four-game road trip of Memphis, Phoenix, Denver, Minnesota. That brings it to seven. And then it just kind of goes so seven or eight, 47, 48 wins, yeah. depending on what happens with that Denver game. If that Denver game matters, I think they – Do you think it's – there's been people talking a lot now with the way that Thunder have played lately. Do you think it is within reason for them to get to 50? I mean, 50 is kind of the magic number that Russell Westbrook might, you know, if, if the Thunder got to 50 and, 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 and let's say they got the five seed, maybe even the four seed, you know, that would be a significant boost for his MVP candidacy. Do you think it's within reason that they could get to 50? That's winning 10 out of their final 13. Within reason? Yeah. Yeah. It's within reason because we just, we just basically said eight, right? And that's that's predicting a loss to either Phoenix, Denver, or Minnesota. Um, all of those teams are currently under five hundred, so they could they could they could win three out of four on that road trip instead of two out of four. That brings them to forty nine. And then the Spurs rest everybody, and they play a bad you know they play the Spurs right. backups, and that brings them to fifty. You know what would be interesting, Fred, is like let's say that the Thunder are at forty nine wins, they're locked into their seed. Like they're going to be – let's say they win 49 and they're the fifth seed. That's just what they are, and there's nothing that's going to change it. And then and they play the Nuggets in that final game. Do you think the Thunder would go for a win there to try to get the magic number of 50? Because that would exclusively be I, – I shouldn't say exclusively, but the priority there would be get to 50 because that's a benchmark for Westbrook in, in the MVP. Like do you think the Thunder would, would have it in their sights to be like, okay, let's play everybody and win this game to try to help Westbrook win MVP? Mm. I think Russ would want it. 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, and I mean, I guess, you know, and also if you're a franchise, I mean, there is something special about being able to say you won 50 games in this amount of seasons and like, you know, that, you know, it's an arbitrary round number, but like 50 game, 50 wins is like, you know, the Dallas Mavericks for a long time. If it wasn't the Mavericks that won 50 games for so many straight years, I know the Spurs have too, but, um, yeah. So it, I think, okay. So I'm thinking about it. I'll think out loud. Talk it through. Just talk it out here. Uh, yeah. So, so the organization, as you very well know, like the organization is incredibly proud of this season. Yes. Absolutely. They are that, that, that like front office and coaching staff is so proud of this year. They are, they, they are like immensely proud. That's why, like, when, when guys get the questions of like what defines, um, you know, what, what defines a good season for you guys this year? Like, how far do you have to go in the playoffs for this to be a good season? Um, I think they. I get the impression they get annoyed. Yeah, I. I almost take it as if you, were, you know, if you sit down and ask Sam Presti that in an official capacity, I feel like you're basically like asking him, you know, uh, a, you know, like a personal private question or something. <laughs> like I, I feel like you're 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 walking down a road that he does not want to go down because, in his mind, it's already been immensely successful. Um, and I know that in some fans' minds, you know, you know, so many people have the Ricky Bobby, if you're not first, you're last type of mentality, and there's nothing that you can say that will convince anybody that anything is a successful season unless it ends in a championship uh, or a deep postseason run. I mean, this Thunder season has been incredibly impressive and successful in a number of different ways for them, considering what happened to them, what they had to recover from. Um, but yes, there's no doubt about it that, like, so if if you think about it in terms of 50 wins and what that would mean for them and what they could use to uh, use that as kind of fuel and, and ammunition to to try to kind of uh, pump up their case and convince people that this was an incredible season. I think that the Thunder would absolutely go for it for more reasons than even just Westbrook's MVP. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, does that mentality of them being so proud of this season make them say, you know, we're, we're so secure? Like, are they thinking to themselves – we're so secure in what's happened this year that 49 or 50 makes no – because it doesn't. It doesn't actually make a difference. No, because like if um, – let's say their seed didn't change. Yeah, it doesn't make any difference. Right, right. We're discussing hypothetically if the seed yeah. doesn't change or anything like that, like if, if it actually doesn't make a difference in this scenario. And like I, I wonder if that, that security leads them to say, all right, we're not you – know, we don't need to do anything. We're, we're, we're so self-secure – in in how how we're defining this season that we don't need to do anything or if it leads them to say everyone needs to know that this is everyone needs to feel this way right. um and and people will feel this way a lot more if they win 50 exactly. plus 49 but it's also historically not an organization that always operates in the way of like trying to persuade the public to feel the way that they want them to feel. But I kind of feel this season's different though. I feel like maybe, they are maybe, more yeah. sensitive to that. And I, I feel like that there is, there is kind of an idea that they want people to give them the recognition. You know, the, the Thunder organization has always been kind of one of humility. I mean, they truly have been. They haven't been one that's necessarily craved, uh, you know, recognition and, uh, accolades from a lot of different people because they, you know, that's, you know, one of their core values is to be, you know, to operate with humility and let the, uh, let the attention come organically. But like, I, I think this season that they have kind of strayed from that to a degree because of what happened, and I think that they have a lot to be proud of, and rightfully so. I think that they they should be proud of themselves. Um, but so, like, if I think if if they have an an opportunity to kind of puff up, uh, puff out their chest and pat themselves on the back and make sure everybody recognizes them, and the difference between that is forty nine and fifty wins, where they can do it a little bit more, I think they're absolutely going to go for it. Yeah, I mean that's it's possible. I don't know. That would be interesting. I mean, look. Russell would do it in a second, obviously. I, I, guy, that would be so hard to tell that guy. By the way, we're rusting. We're rusting everyone. Right. It could cost you the MVP. Like, you know, <laughs> but by that point, I guess more voters have voted. By the way, Russell, I know, I know you're averaging, we're at 49 wins and you're averaging 9.9 assists, but we're going to rest <laughs> you tonight. <laughs> I think voters would have voted by then. I don't, I, I think ballots go out like second week of April or something or, you know, first I week. I thought ballots would do the day after the regular season. I think they're due then, but I think that I oh, think they go out. Before I think that. they go out like first week or something. I can't re- I can't remember, but like probably a lot of people will have already voted. So like maybe maybe that won't be as meaningful. I don't know. But then again, maybe people would withhold their ballots for that exact reason. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, exactly. 
to see like what did the Thunder finish at? That's so silly though. But that's it, the way it works. I mean, like that's it's so thing. stupid that it, some it people is so think stupid. Like that. It is a hundred percent stupid. But like, so stupid. it's it's the same type of thing. Like la- like last night, uh, Brett Dawson and I were kind of talking about this, like about Westbrook uh, and the whole. You know, if he would have stayed in the game to chase the the two rebounds for the triple double, okay, there would have been people that would have been highly critical of that, right? They would have been like, oh my gosh, look at the stat padding, and there probably would have been, you know. NCAA tournaments going on. Not a lot of people are actually paying attention to the Oklahoma City Thunder blowing out the Sacramento Kings. Um, and there would have been a, you know, a faction of the internet and on Reddit or wherever it would have been that would have jumped all over Westbrook for like stat padding for the triple doubles, right? But at the end of the year, when you're like putting together the entire big picture and the resume and you can sit there and you can say, instead of 40, you know, 40 triple doubles, he has 41. And like that stuff matters. It just does. You know, it, it like you, it, for whatever reason, as arbitrary as it would have been, those two rebounds would have been completely meaningless. Like it would have mattered. And like that's why, like, it's, it's so stupid the way so much of this stuff works and the way that so, like, you know, Daryl Morey kind of mocked it, I think, on Twitter last night. Like if we're talking about like numbers in a round sense, like why don't we care about that? Like it's just the way, it's just the way the world works. Like if Russell Westbrook averages, 32 points, 10 rebounds, and 9.9 assists, he's not winning MVP. But if he averages 10 assists and uh, with the other numbers, he might have a chance to do it. It's just it's, – it's stupid, but that's the way it works. I blame whoever created our numerical system for making it a base 10 system. <laughs> that's what I blame it on. They, they created the triple-double. They inadvertently created the triple-double. Yeah, I actually looked up who who invented the triple double the other day. Do you know who invented that? No, I actually have no idea. It's a good piece of trivia. Uh, I I want to make sure, but I'm pretty sure his name is Harvey Pollock. This is the person who created the term or had the first like the double? the term. Yeah, the term. No, not not who uh, had the first one. Like who who? Uh, yeah, Harvey Pollock. He's an American sports statistician. He died in 2015. He was a journalist uh, also. Uh, and did statistical information for the Philadelphia 76ers, and he's widely credited for inventing the term triple-double. When did he come up with that? Uh, that's an excellent question. I Googled this last night because I was curious myself. Because I don't think they called it a triple-double when Oscar Robertson was averaging one. No, I don't think so. Um, let me look. I'm looking. This is make, making for riveting podcasting. Friends <laughs> <laughs> sing something or uh, – yeah, okay. Inventor it's on Bloomberg. <laughs> this is this is terrible podcast. This is great stuff. Um this is this is why no one on the Thunder listens. Uh yeah, <laughs> tune out at this. We can call it we can call it Royce Google stuff. Uh okay, so it says that um he his nickname was Superstat, by the way, Harvey Pollock. Uh, he's credited with beginning the NBA's official tracking of rebounds, steals, turnovers, block shots, and minutes played. Uh, uh, oh, during Magic Johnson's rookie season in 1979-80, Pollock coined the phrase triple-double. Wow, it wasn't until 1980? Oh, wow. He's also the guy that wrote hundred the, the 100 on the white piece of paper for Wilt Chamberlain. How about that? <laughs> this guy, Harvey Pollock. Well, he, he worked for uh, – that's, that's – 76ers. He yeah, worked in Philly. Yeah, he was like a statistician for them. Yeah, there you go. What what. A, Man, what a statistician! What a move for a statistician to write 100 on a piece of paper. <laughs> That's what he was hired to do. That was statistics like, have come such a long way since the 60s. That was the mountaintop, right there. That's what math was in the 1960s. You just write 100. It's like that's it. Yeah. That was that was basically the 100 emoji before emojis. Exactly. That's all it was. It was Will holding up a. A piece of paper. It's still crazy to me. Somebody scored a hundred points in a basketball game. It's not. Cl- cl- uh, I can't talk. It's not crazy to Lavar Ball, huh? <laughs> if one player, if one player currently in the NBA scored one hundred points, I told you one player currently in the NBA was going to score a hundred in a game. Who would you think it was? Uh, I would think it would be Clay Thompson. That's exactly who I was going to say. I think that there. Cause I think Why do we both think, I think him he could have done it? Because I, I think he could have reasonably done it. Who did they play that night that they just absolutely massacred when he scored sixty? When he scored sixty through three quarters. Yeah, wasn't that Dallas? Who, I, whoever it was, I think if he if he would have been legitimately committed to trying for it, I think he might have been able to do it. That was incredible. That game. I mean, like that—that's scoring forty in the fourth quarter. So I mean, that's that's an incredible achievement to do. But like, 
you know, if and it, and at some point you're going to have diminishing returns. I mean, you're going to have fatigue set in, and you're going to feel the pressure of actually making. You know, you're going to be running out of opportunities. He could have done Kobe that night, though. He really could have. Yeah, he could have gotten eighty. I mean, he could have gotten eighty for sure. Um, because I mean, like you know, that's the thing with Clay Thompson is that when he's when he's making that stuff, like there's just not much you can do to to you know to actually kind of contest him or guard him. And he did it. If I remember right, he didn't shoot a whole lot of free throws. I mean, like Kobe shot. I don't know how many free throws he did in the eighty-one point game. I think Kobe shot over twenty free throws in that game. Uh, Clay Thompson was not going the line a bunch in that one. Yeah, I forget how many Kobe shot in that game. It was definitely more than twenty. I, I, if I remember right, the eighty-one point game, like, like I'm totally making this up, and some Laker fan is going to be driving around searching for my house uh, after I say this. But like, I feel like like fourteen of his final like eighteen points were at the free throw line. I just remember like a lot of points were coming at the free throw line towards the end of that eighty-one point game. Well, guess what we're doing? <laughs> we're, we're googling live on the air. We're changing. We're changing the name of this podcast from Royce Google stuff. <laughs> to Fred Google stuff. I know he took 46 shots in that game. Kobe did. Yeah. Okay. So he was 28 for 46 from the field. Very good shooting percentage. Yeah. 61% from the field. Look, you can take 46 shots, but yeah. 20 and make 28 of them. Seven of, from three. Seven of 13. Okay. And he was 18 of 20 from the line. Okay. So not quite like I said over 20. So it wasn't quite as many free throws as I thought. Yeah, I mean, he took forty. He went twenty eight for forty six. <laughs> twenty eight for forty six. Pretty good. It's a lot of sh- lot of the shooting. You know what's crazy? What do you think Kobe's usage was in that game? I mean, since he brought, what did he have? One? I think he had one assist, didn't he? He had two assists. So I mean, his usage was probably only like fifty four or some fifty five. I don't know. Well, assist doesn't factor into usage. I thought assist factored into usage. Usage is the percentage of ball of the percentage. Um, of possessions, the ball ends in your hands. So it's uh, shots that uh, – possessions that end with one of your own shots, you turning it over, or uh, you getting fouled. Oh, okay. Well, geez, I just, I just learned how, what usage is. Oh, I, always yeah. that, I always thought that usage stood for possessions used. And, like, and so like uh, – God, you need to edit this out. This is going to make me look like an idiot. Eh, uh, whatever. <laughs> it's all the same. What's funny is you, you guessed it pretty darn close. It was 56.8%. Okay. You know what's funny? Russell Westbrook has had games where he's had a usage. Above that, right? Above that, yeah. So Russell Westbrook has actually had games where he's had a usage this year above Kobe Bryant's 81-point game. So I think what we just decided is that Russell Westbrook is better than Kobe. <laughs> well, Russell Westbrook had the same usage. He did not have 81 points. <laughs> so Russ was more of a team player. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he had like seven assists in one of those games or something, I remember. Yeah, there you go. Man, he's he's how is he still alive right now? <laughs> like I could see I could also see uh Curry maybe. But like here's the thing, I don't and I'm not saying this this is going to sound like a slight against Clay Thompson, but I don't mean it to be. But like I don't I don't feel like Curry is selfish enough to go for it. You know, like I don't think that I feel like Curry would pull back the reins. Like Curry goes supernova and like 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 a flash in the pan hot. Like Clay Thompson like sustains the hot. Right, you know? right. Yeah, Clay Thompson. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, that's so, why I said Clay too. LeBron would never do it. No, he he wouldn't do it. And I I honestly kind of get annoyed when people say things like he could do it if he wanted to. Like I don't. I mean, I don't think you can necessarily say that. Like I know I said that that Clay might have been able to within the context of that one game. He might have been able to if he had like really tried to go for it in the fourth quarter. But like people say like a lot like LeBron could average a triple double if he wanted to. Like. You can't. I don't. There's no way to make to know that, and there's no way to really kind of make that determination. So, like, I don't. I don't think LeBron A, like you said, Fred, he would never. He would never even try for it. And I don't. I don't know that LeBron shoots well enough to do it. I just right. I, you you have to get really hot from three nowadays in order yeah. to do it. You have to hit 15 threes. How many free throws did Wilt take in his 100 point game? Do we have like we have a box score in that? Don't we? Yeah, we got a box score. We you want to- hit the Google. <laughs> We're making it happen. This is the worst podcast I've okay. ever recorded in my life. Typing in Wilt Chamberlain. Oh, are you Googling it or am I Googling it? Oh, I was Googling it. I guess we're racing. Yeah, no, I got it. Point. I got it. Box. We got it. We got it. Thank you, basketball. Mm-hmm. Ra- this is all basketball reference. Just helping us out. Okay, he went 36-63. He shot 32 free throws in that game. Yeah, 28 for 32. You know what's amazing is that Paul Arizon took 18 shots <laughs> in Wilt's 100-point game. 
Some dude got up 18 shots in that game. That's Paul, a, Paul Arizon was a great player. Yeah, he got up 18 looks. He uh, led the league in scoring multiple times, I believe. Yeah. Huh. Uh, yes, Paul Arizon led the league in scoring twice in his career. 1952 and 1957. Man, we need more names like these in the NBA today. York Laris, what is that? York Laracy? Man, what a name. And then I like, I like Joe Rucklick. <laughs> I like Al, Al Adels is a really good name too. That's a great Guy Rogers. There's not enough guys named Guy anymore. That's true. You should, we should, <laughs> we should ask Russell that and shoot around tomorrow morning. Yeah, I will. Oh, how about this guy on the Knicks, Cleveland Butner? Cleveland Buckner. That guy sounds great. Sounds like yeah. a good player. That's a <laughs> – he, hey, he had 33 in that game. Jeez, <laughs> yeah. nice game, man. Yeah. Well, uh, the Knicks were not good that year, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Carrie, who was – my wife Carrie, who was sitting here listening, <laughs> just texted me really riveting stuff here. That's <laughs> <laughs> going through. Somehow, when this podcast started, Fred, did you anticipate going through Wilt Chamberlain's <laughs> – Royce, this, is, this is such a bad podcast, Royce. I might have my, to, my I might have to delete this whole thing. Last. <laughs> I might have to delete this entire you know thing. My, you know what my middle name is? It's Royce Bad Podcast Young. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly might have to I might have to delete the entire thing. That that could be my twelfth podcast. It'll just be known as the forgot like this one, like he did one, but like it it just never aired because it was so bad. We've we've gotten so sidetracked that I actually have the Clippers schedule called up, which I was planning on talking about after we went through the Thunder schedule, and then I don't know how we got here. I don't either. I was planning on making the point that the Clippers, while the Thunder have an easy winnable schedule and could get to 48 wins, 47 wins, something like that, the Clippers actually have an easier schedule uh, and might have the easiest schedule in the league. But now I, hey, it's it's done. It's over. Yeah, who cares about that? It's uh, over. Royce, before we go, you got to tell me. Uh, do you, do you feel good about telling Ennis Canner in the scrum today that you <laughs> cried during the Notebook? Hey, no shame here, man. If you didn't cry in the Notebook, you got no soul. I cried in the Notebook. Like, how do you not cry at the end of the Notebook? I cried. I cried. I cried at the end of the Notebook. You know, what movie. What's the What's the movie that made you cry the hardest that you've ever seen? I'm a crier, um, by the way. I'm a total crier in movies. That's a good movie. That's a good. Um, I can tell you maybe, right now, it's for me. You'd never what? guess. You'd never what? guess what it what? is. Let's hear it. I, I can't remember the exact name of it. I think it's called Warrior. It's about it's about like these two brothers that are UFC fighters. Like Tom Hardy's in it. You know what movie I'm talking about? I think it's called, I have no idea what you're talking about. I saw it one time. It was like on like Stars or something. You know, like on TV. And I like stayed up till like 2 a.m. watching it one time. Like this was like years ago. And that movie just completely. It was like I'm a total sucker for like brother stuff and like father son stuff. And like that movie had like all that together, like emotionally within the context of like, you know, like uh, sports and competition. And like, that, I mean, it, like, I seriously was just like a puddle on the floor. It, it absolutely ruined me. Well, then you will appreciate my answer to this question. Uh, it's a very cliche answer, but it counts. Uh, Field of Dreams. Oh, yeah. I mean, of course. Very Have cliche. Yeah, yeah. He's having a catch with his dad. It's like, man. I cry every time. I've seen that movie a bunch. I read the book too. Shoeless I mean, Joe. there's a lot, a lot of those movies always get me. I mean, like seriously, I've seen Rudy thirty times, and I'll cry at the end of Rudy every time. Yeah, the sports movies don't really get. I don't really feel like Field of Dreams is a sports movie. No, it's a father son movie. Right. It, it it happens to have baseball as an element of it, but there's no team. Uh, you're not really ever. You're not invested in any sort of story about a baseball team or about the game or anything like that. Like, it's not really a sports movie to me. Carrie texted me. I also cried in the movie up. Did you ever see the movie up? Oh, I have man. a, I have a, <laughs> you and Brett will love this. Cause you say I'm contrarian about everything. Oh no. Here we go. I, 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 thought, I thought up was over. No, no, not the worst. Just, um, overrated. How'd you not cry in that like opening, like montage thing with him and his wife. And then like, Oh man. Yeah, not emotionally invested. Heavy stuff. Not, not, not heavy. Not that heavy. If it was so heavy, then a bunch of balloons couldn't have lifted it. All right, <laughs> too far. <laughs> no, I'm a movie crier, so like, of course, I cried at the end of the Notebook. I mean, the Notebook is like, it is like set up to cry. It's like forcing you to cry. It's like, uh, it's like a Tom Rinaldi uh, 
like slow feature on Sports Center. Like it's there. Have, it's I only have, there to exist to make you cry. I'll admit that I've I've cried from Tom Rinaldi features. Tom Rinaldi, like I just see the, the great, face. greatest storyteller ever. Hey, I, I see his face and I just start crying. When he does like uh, like sideline reporting or whatever, like interviews right. golfers or whatever it is, I'll just like see a very cliche interview with a golf. So uh, how'd you stick that at home one? Just and I was like, yeah, I'm just crying hysterically. Yeah, just crying. Rinaldi. Yeah, that's true. A lot of fouls in Wilt Chamberlain's 100-point game. <laughs> Were there? You know, I think that yeah. if I remember right, I read a long like uh, story about it. Like, this was years ago, and I'm probably getting this completely wrong. Um, but like, I, if I remember right, like the other team was fouling him. I think at the end of that game, or or his, I think it was his team was fouling. If I remember right, his team was fouling yes, to get the ball true. back. That's true for him to score. That's true. That makes sense because uh, so the he was playing for the Philadelphia Warriors. Right. And the Warriors fouled 25 times in that game, but the Knicks fouled 32 times. If I remember right, they were like fouling to get the ball back because they knew it was close. But Lord knows Russell Westbrook, if he tries to get one more <laughs> rebound, he's a shameless stat patter. I mean, like, geez. The Knicks had the Knicks had six guys with four or more fouls. That's what I'm talking about. Like when you talk about like legacy and history and what you're going to remember. Like I know that today's world is different because of social media and Twitter and everybody has a reaction, everything within like real time, you know, minute by minute action. But like forty years from now, like it's not gonna nobody's gonna remember that Russell Westbrook chased for two more rebounds. They're gonna remember if he tied Oscar Robertson's all time record. I mean, like that's what that's the type of stuff that like, you know, has like significance and matters. So like don't get don't get all like, you know, up in arms and like all you know, huffing and puffing about Russell Westbrook trying to do a different thing. Like nobody re- is going to, everybody remembers Wilt Chambers, Chamberlain scored a hundred points. And like, that's the big, nobody's sitting there and going, well, actually they felt like, well, Twitter well, Royce, 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 you actually just, I did, did that. because I'm here, I'm here to police this stuff. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm with you. I, I'm really of the camp that when something historic is going on, like just enjoy it. Yeah. It's fun. Just, just enjoy it. Like this stuff is, Unless it's Barry really Bonds hitting home runs on steroids, don't enjoy that. And like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, true. Don't, don't enjoy that. Uh, that's fine. <laughs> that's but different. like, I I get. Here's the thing: it's all about framing to me. Like, we can talk about Russell Westbrook's uncontested rebounds because they exist. Right. He leads the league in uncontested rebounds. Uh, but it's just about framing. Like, uh, my argument is not if Russell Westbrook got the average amount of of uncontested rebounds for a point guard, then um, he would be averaging a triple double. That is that is not my argument at all. Uh, my argument is that first of all, you when you make that when you talk about that, you have to talk about number one. James Harden basically has the same uncontested rebound percentage as he does. Uh, they're like three percentage points off or something as of the last time I checked a game or two ago. Uh, and and number two, you also have to talk about that point guards. The higher percentage of point guards rebounds are uncontested because they're normally right. ones who get. Long rebounds and that kind of stuff. Number three, you have to talk about how it's better for his team when he gets right. rebounds because when they get when he gets ten or more rebounds, they're like you know twenty games over five hundred or something like that. Um, you have to factor that into the decision, and, and and you can talk about that stuff as a legitimate fact because it absolutely is. But like, it's not like when some people phrase it, they say it as if everybody else in the league gets zero contested rebounds, right? Exactly. Or zero uncontested rebounds, I should say. And, like, there are other things where, like, we don't apply it to other things. If he were averaging 9.2 rebounds a game, I don't think we'd be talking about his 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 rebound, his uncontested rebounds, you know? He's like, under a microscope because he's doing something historical. And so, like, right. that's just – I mean, that's just going to be what happens. Right, I mean, and, and it's fine. But, you know, like uh, like last year, for example, the Warriors – so the Warriors right now have the greatest spacing – the Warriors starting lineup has the greatest spacing of any team in the history of basketball. Right with the brand of basketball that they play, and with the players they have on their team, and the talent, and the shooters, and all that stuff they have in their starting lineup, that's got the greatest spacing in the history of basketball. Right. Right. So, are we going to discount Clay Thompson's threes because they're uncontested? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's a um, it's great to talk about, and strategically, it's an interesting conversation. And I'm all for having it, and I'm all for acknowledging it as as an interesting basketball conversation. It's just about the framing to me. It's just about the framing, and uh, there there are there are lots of reasons uh, to vote for James Harden for MVP. There are lots of reasons to vote for LeBron for MVP. There are lots of reasons to vote for 
uh, Kawhi for MVP. And, and I'm, if, if you want to vote for any of those guys for MVP, like I've, Royce, I've said to you a million times, I think Harden's the MVP. Like I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say that I even think Westbrook is the MVP right now, even though in most other years he probably would be. Uh, but it's just about, it's just about framing. Like I, I don't think a good way to make with four guys just having historically incredible years, the best way to make an MVP argument is not by disparaging one of them. Like they have all been incredible. Those four guys, absolutely incredible this year. And you can make a great argument for any of them by just propping them up. That's it. End of my rant. I'm glad you got that out. It's people are, people are, you know what, Royce, people are, people are turning into Twitter eggs by the second. (laughs) They're all turning into Twitter eggs. But I mean, it is true. I mean, it is uh, like the whole like discounting the triple double narrative that has existed in certain segments of the internet has frustrated me all year long because it's just, first of all, it's not fair. I mean, nobody was, nobody's going to the, you know, synergy stats or whatever on Oscar Robertson's 62 season and trying to figure out like how he, like his triple doubles were not legitimate. No, what happens is, is everybody just shouts him out and, you know, remembers the fact that he did it. And like, that's what, and, and yes, I mean, we, we have advanced past then and we've tracked different things and we have access to different stats. And that's part of what makes the game fun is the discussion around these sort of things. But like at the same time, like it would be different if the Thunder were, you know, five and 27 when Westbrook got a triple double. That would be different. But like they clearly contribute to him winning. It's like you said the other night, uh, I think I mentioned it earlier this year. It's not just about the trip, the fact that the Thunder are good when Russ triple doubles. It's the Thunder are good when Westbrook passes and he, you know, racks up 10 or more assists. And so, like, this is clearly something good within the context of the team. So, like, you know, what's the thing that everybody wants to, like, focus in on? It's like, oh, yeah, well, did they win? Well, they are winning when he gets the triple double. So, like, stat padding or not, it's, it's helping his team. So, like, if that's like, that's the end all be all argument for, for the Twitter egg, right? It's like, well, are they winning? Do they have championships? Whatever. Like, that's, that's the final say that they want to go to in every single discussion. They, they allow for no nuance at all. So the Thunder are winning when Westbrook gets them. So, like, period, the end. You should be, you should be celebrating this. Yeah. I mean, I'm just all for, like, I'll be, so when LeBron went to Miami, um, I said this on the radio the other day. When LeBron went to Miami, I was in college and, um, one of my biggest like sports fan regrets is that after LeBron went to Miami, I was kind of in the majority and I didn't, I didn't like LeBron after. And, and now it like, at this point in my life, I realize how stupid that is. Um, but I was just a basketball fan and I, I didn't like LeBron and I, you know, for the typical reasons that, that everybody basically said it back then. And, uh, after they won the title, I just, or maybe it was during when they were playing the Thunder in the, in the finals or whatever it was. At some point I was just like, and I wasn't yet a reporter. I was in college still. And I was just like, this is so stupid. Like, why, (laughs) why am I disliking this, this dude? Because he just decided to play for another team. And like, more importantly, like from a selfish perspective, this guy is the greatest player I've ever seen in my entire life. And I'm sitting here trying to just because of some personal thing I have against him, uh, not appreciating it. Like, which is so, and the, the personal reason was so stupid. LeBron is, LeBron is, I, honestly, he's now one of my favorite players of all time because he's so great. And I, I think he's, he's just a cool guy. And he's, I think he's brilliant. And he's just, you know, he's LeBron. Uh, and that was, that was on me. It had really nothing to do with him. You know, it was me projecting my own, like, sports insecurities onto onto him which is which is stupid it's and it's how a lot of sports fans think and it was it was silly of me to do it because i i honestly regret like not appreciating two years of lebron's prime because that that's going to be no matter what he's certainly going to be one of the greatest players i ever seen for all i know he's going to be the best player i ever see and uh to take to take that for for granted to take that kind of history and witnessing that and living through that for granted is so silly. Yeah. And uh, I don't that know. I just warned against, I warned against people doing that with Russell Westbrook. The Philadelphia Warriors had 39 assists during the Wilt Chamberlain game. Man, so they were setting them up. Yeah. yeah guy, guy, your boy, Guy Rogers. My had, boy, my man. Had 20 assists. Your boy, Guy Rogers. Yeah. Had, had 11 points. 
and 20 assists. What was Joe Rucklick's final line? I think he only took like one shot. <laughs> Joe Rucklick, yeah. Oh, disappointing. Eight minutes. Uh, you know what I'm doing right now? I'm typing in Joe Rucklick mix on YouTube. <laughs> no, Joe Rucklick was on. Oh, you want to see the highlights of him? From, Let's uh, see if I can get a Joe Rucklick mix. Yeah, there's. Uh, he played eight minutes and uh, went 0 for 1 from the field, 0 for 2 from the free hey, throw line. Joe Rucklick, two years ago, gave a speech at a banquet. Unveiling the, of the USPS release of the Wilt Chamberlain commemorative stamp. It's got 630 few view, views on YouTube. If everybody wants to go check it out. Wow! Now let's let's play a game. Let's see how. Let's see if it has one more view tomorrow. Like, has anyone made it this far? <laughs> to this far of the podcast, no one has made it this far. I'm not going to click. I am not clicking it. 634 is what we are at right now. Yeah, no one has made it this far. <laughs> John John Rucklick was a uh, Joe was, Joe Rucklick. Joe, Joe Rucklick, close enough. He uh, he shot 33% from the field that year. Oh, man. Come on, my man. Field goal percentages were so much worse back then, though. Yeah, that's true. They were so much worse. Guys, I had no idea how to play. What did Wilt shoot? Wilt was 50%. That was the year Wilt averaged 50 and 26. Man, it synergy and catapult and second spectrum and all that stuff or whatever would have. Whew. <laughs> well, my favorite Wilt stat ever is that that year – um, when he averaged 15 and 26, he he averaged – you know how many minutes per game he averaged that season? I mean probably, what, 47? 48.5. <laughs> he averaged more. <laughs> he averaged more than 48 minutes a game. Oh, my gosh. Yep, overtime periods. I guess I, I'm pretty sure he never sat all season. You know, and that's that's just, you know, goes to show that all these, you know, wimps in today's NBA – that they can't play. I'm I'm kidding. And this is my that was my radio, Ethan, right there. <laughs> if only they had. Oh God, I'd love to know what his usage rate was that year. I mean, that, somebody could calculate that, right? I don't. They didn't keep track of possessions. I mean, I guess you could oh, use like that's a true. formulaic, but they they. I guess there's ways to estimate it because um, I know people have estimated possessions and people have people have estimated the um, the average. What is it like the average amount of possessions a game back then? At yeah. like 120 something a game, and now nowadays for perspective, it's about 100 a game. Um, so the game is much slower than it was because that was when teams were still like figuring out, you know, how the heck do we use this shot clock thing? Because it was less than right. 10 years after the shot clock, and they kind of thought if we just chuck it up every time. That, that's also why like the triple double back then was less impressive because there are more more shots and thus more opportunities for assists and more missed shots and more opportunities for rebounds and, and all that stuff. So so it was a little bit. A lot less impressive in that in that era, if only because of style and not necessarily caliber of play. But yeah, I mean, in, in Wilt's hundred point game, he he played all forty eight minutes here. Yeah, I mean, I, I I wasn't exaggerating. I I think he actually did not sit a minute the entire season. Yeah, I mean, it it, it seems unlikely at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yep. His numbers in the fourth quarter: twelve of twenty one shooting. Hmm. Twelve of twenty one in the fourth. Yeah, he scored thirty one points on twelve of twenty one shooting in the fourth quarter. That's and the and, and Philadelphia won by twenty two. That's hilarious. That's great. But let's focus on the fact that Russell Westbrook got an extra rebound or something. I love that. But Wilt, <laughs> in in defense of the people calling Statpatter, like Wilt is probably the most criticized great player for being a Statpatter. That's true. That's fair. Like, what do people? That's what people always say. That's like I would say that people criticize him for that almost as much as they like laud him for being Wilt. Like what so many things that people say about Wilt is, well, he wasn't Russell. Russell was a winner. Wilt just wanted to get his numbers. That's true. That's true. People say that about Wilt all the time. So I I'm with you on this. I just think Wilt and, and, and you are right about that particular game. It's like, well, Wilt's 100 point game, but you can't say that didn't, Stand the test of time. It's like one of the most iconic numbers, maybe the single most iconic number and iconic stat in the history of the sport. Everyone knows that. My mom knows nothing about basketball. She knows Will Chamberlain scored 100 points in a game. Right. So from a historical standpoint, from a historical importance standpoint, that's definitely true. But like people are all over Wilt for, for being a stat. That is true. That is, that is a fair point. Yeah. So, Alan, maybe if uh, – and I guess people kind of were on, on Kobe for that too, to a degree. Just as like a guy who didn't like to pass, not necessarily a stat patter. No one said it about David Robinson, who's got that most underrated player of the nineties. 
Absolutely. Great. David Robinson was brilliant, a brilliant player. Oh, unbelievable. I had a couple of his cards, and I was always really proud of him. <laughs> he was unbelievable. I mean, he has, what do you have, 73? Yeah, he had 73 in a game. Yeah, he was amazing. He did everything. And, he was a, and it, it, the thing to me that was always super underrated about him is he was a fantastic defensive center. I mean, like, just tremendous. Uh-huh. Him, Great shot blocker. Him and Hakeem were probably the two best uh, – him and Hakeem and Matumbo were probably the three best uh, defensive centers of that time. Yeah, Hakeem doesn't get near enough credit for being a great defensive center either. If oh man, Hakeem Hakeem should have been born twenty years later. Can you imagine Hakeem Olajuwon in today's NBA? He'd be he'd be even better. He's one of the five best centers of all time. He'd be even better. He'd be shooting threes. He'd be you know his skill. He'd probably average seven assists a game. Think I mean, about think about him playing in like. Like a, like a like a like like a switchy defense, like him just like in pick and rolls, just switching onto wings and like and like switching onto point guards. Probably like he could he would be if if Draymond were seven were seven over seven feet and better. Yeah, exactly. Had more and could shoot better and like pass a little. Well, better. defensively, I mean, offensively, it's just there's there's never been an offensive player like him, yeah. like. There are better offensive players than him, but just stylistically, there's never been an offensive player like him uh, with his with his passing ability. And uh, you know, I, I I did like a 30 minute sit down with him last year. Really, it was, it was awesome. It was so cool, and he was so awesome. And um, he was so nice. I couldn't believe how nice he was. I was supposed to get five minutes with him. He sat down with me for half an hour. Uh, he was so nice. It was when uh, it was when I was writing for Fox Sports and the. The Warriors got off to that undefeated start, and they broke the 94 Rockets record for longest winning streak to start a season. So I sat down with him to like reflect on the Warriors. And in this, in this kind of time where so many 90 stars kind of disparaged the game, I wasn't sure what I was going to get out of him because I just – I didn't know what he was like today. And hearing his knowledge of how – I was asking him, like, how would you play in today's game and – what do you think would be different and all that stuff? And hearing how he would try to, you know, exploit today's game with post-ups and, right. and how he thinks he would fit. Like I asked him, do you think he'd be shooting threes if you were born 20 years later? Uh, and he and he said no. He said he thinks he'd be posting up more because he would just be using everyone. Everyone smaller would be double teaming him and he would just be getting spot up threes for everybody. Um and and we talked about just like the ex's nose of how he thinks he would work style. It was just so interesting and hearing him talk about how he, he thinks this is a great style of play. And he's just so clearly just on another – his mind is on another level. Um, just a just – a, and he's, he's a brilliant guy outside of basketball. Like he's just yeah. a remarkably intelligent person. Um, and it was – that was awesome. That was I think the coolest interview experience I've ever had. Yeah. Next to uh, – Next to next to when I called Kevin Durant, Fred. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I thought you were going to say next to when you uh, asked Ennis Kanter about the notebook. Yeah, next to when I asked Ennis <laughs> Kanter about the notebook. All right, let's end it on that. Royce, uh, you got your – Good stuff, man. This this is an all-timer. Woo, what a oh podcast. Oh, my God. If, if you made it through this, you made it through an hour of this, then um, – Next time I'm on, I think, I think instead of taking mailbag questions, have people send in things they want us to Google, and we'll just Google them for them. <laughs> Google Forum on delay. This isn't even a live podcast. Like, uh, it could be like you know, like what kind of what kind of food do uh, giraffes eat at a zoo or something like something really random. And like we'll Google it up and then we'll like tell you. That's <laughs> like that's like uh, that's an even worse business idea than the uh, than the than the one in Forty uh, Year Old Virgin, where like she'll sell your stuff for you on eBay. <laughs> but not, but not <laughs> if you want to know stuff, there's just nothing in the store. To us and we'll we'll Google it. We'll yeah. Google it for you. Exactly. Sounds great. We'll yeah, wrap this right. up. Get get it, get this over with. All right. Well, any, any, anything to you got your you got your preview of the game? It's yeah. coming, coming sometime uh, Monday mo- mid morning afternoonish or something. There'll be something there to read. Not, anything not, else? Like, you uh, true hoop TVing or anything else? Uh, uh, I don't think I am. No, no, uh, no, no video element this time. Wow, that, that should tell you something there. You sports centering? I guess the TNT game, so probably not. Well, there will be some. I believe we do have a crew coming for Sports Center. I think there will be some Sports Centering. Ah, big deal. Sports Centering. Yeah. Royce Young. Royce Standings Young. 
Yeah, that's me. Royce Ketchup Young. Uh, My name's Paul, by the way. Paul. Royce Paul. I went to high school with a kid named Paul Young. Uh, I thought you were going to say Royce Paul Young. Paul Young. Paul Young was also the name of a uh, evil character on Desperate Housewives. Really? Well, how about that? Yeah. He was, a, he was a bad guy. He was, I think, one of their, I'm trying to remember, he's like one of their ex-husbands. He comes back, he's in the early seasons, and he comes back in a later season as like a really bad guy. God, spoiler alert, Fred. Jeez. <laughs> if, you, if you need to watch, if, okay, here's the thing. If you're going to binge Desperate Housewives, start on one of the later seasons. Start on one of the seasons with like uh, Brian Austin Green. <laughs> start on one of those. It's better. This is, this is the reason you stick through an hour and four minutes of this podcast for that exact Bit of knowledge. Hey, I, I, uh, some insider stuff right there. There is an outside chance I've seen every episode of Desperate Housewives. Did I watch the whole thing? Was it seven seasons? Yeah, you shouldn't say that too loudly. You should, I, should never say that on a podcast that's recorded. I never cried in it. <laughs> well, I never, I never watched cried it. In it. I never watched it. Uh, you can keep it that way. I don't think your life will be any different by not watching it. I think you're fine. Um, you remember, I, at least for now, I'm on every weekday. Who knows? I might just cancel the podcast forever after this. Uh, head on to iTunes, though, and subscribe just in case I keep going. Questions, comments, email LockedOnThunder at gmail.com. Send, send all your complaints there or at me on Twitter, at Fred Katz. Royce, what's your Twitter again? Are you just Royce Young? Yep. At That's Royce right. Young. Ask Billy Donovan. He should know. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and you can go on to NormanTranscript.com for all your Thunder needs. Check out my blog. Thunder Road, once you're there, that's going to do it for today. Back tomorrow, wrapping up the Warriors game. Maybe I'll even snag Royce once the game ends. We'll see. We'll see. Until then, Lock on Thunder is locking up. <laughs>